Rogers is a uh, lawyer in Washington, D.C., and he's a, uh, a Christian writer as well. He tells about the time when he was watching television uh, and a journalist interviewed American missionaries Gracia and Martin Burnham, who uh, looked very haggard. They looked filthy and appeared to be disoriented. Um, the couple were missionaries in the Philippines, spent one night in 2001 at a resort to celebrate their 18th wedding anniversary. And that evening, they were kidnapped by terrorists, and a year later, they were being dragged through the Philippine jungles. And the terrorists gave a journalist um, access to interview the Burnhams uh, for a couple reasons. One, they gave the couple an opportunity to show their family members that they were still alive. But to the terrorists, more importantly, it was an opportunity to generate ransom money. That's what they wanted. They wanted money. The Burnhams, as they could see through the interview on television, were despondent. They appeared to have been forgotten, uh, that there was no hope they would ever see their children again. And Gracia, uh, in the interview, said this, We need someone to show mercy. This is no way to live. There is no way to take care of yourself. Last night I woke up with severe chest pains, and there's nothing you can do. You just lay there, and you're in pain. We have sores in our mouths because there's no nutrition in the food that we're eating. We have sores on our legs. Nobody cares about that here. Josh said that, uh, man, he felt like he had to help some way, somehow, but the only thing he could do was, was pray overwhelmed by that interview, and he went to his bedroom, got down on his knees, and he asked God to rescue the Burnhams and give them strength to keep going. And he also made a commitment while he was praying that, Lord, help me to pray until the Burnhams return back home again. Gracia needed him to pray when she felt hopeless and alone, and he needed Gracia to remind him that even when his prayers felt kind of dry, that God listens, God cares, and God answers. And as the months went by, Josh was haunted by Gracia's gaunt face on his television screen and the sound of her quivering voice. That motivated him to pray for sure. And he said, Lord, please let them know we're praying. Let them know we haven't forgotten them. Well, Josh didn't see anything about the Barnums in the news for a while, and he made a simple addition to his first request to the Lord that God would let him know what happened to the Barnums. And as time passed, his prayers became less frequent, and even so, he figured praying some of the time is better than not praying. And six months after he started praying, and 18 months after the Burnhams had been kidnapped, God answered his second request. Josh heard a news report on his radio that the Philippine army attempted to rescue the Barnums, but only Gracia made it out alive. Martin died in a crossfire from the Philippine army and the terrorists shooting back and forth and 
wounded in the chest and he died immediately. And so the news to Josh was somewhat bittersweet, even though he had never met the couple. He felt somehow connected to them because he had been praying for them. And he thought, man, just that praying a little bit uh, probably helped Gracia make it out alive. Well, a year after Josh heard that radio report, he got a call from the local Christian bookstore in his neighborhood. And he had visited a while earlier and uh, entered his name in a raffle. And uh, the owners of the bookstore pulled his name out of the fishbowl. That ever happened to you? Your name comes out of a fishbowl? Anyway, his did, and they wanted him to come in and claim his reward. And so he uh, drove to the bookstore, and the young lady across the counter handed him a bundle of gifts and a variety of Christian CDs and also a hardbound book entitled In the Presence of Mine Enemies, authored by Gracia Burnham. It was a retelling of what had happened to her and Martin in the jungle, and... Uh, Josh said, man, I had no idea she had written a book. And so as he drove home, he just kind of had this conversation with the Lord, you know, hey, you know, this is pretty cool, Lord, because I, you know, I kind of wanted to keep in touch with, with this couple. And um, he came home, and the first thing he did was open up that book. First page, this is what Gracia wrote. This book is dedicated to you. If you prayed for Martin and me while we were in captivity even once, then put your name here. It is because of your prayers that I came out alive and am able to tell the story. Likewise, I hope to become one who earnestly prays and cares for others who are hurting. We truly need each other, don't we? And when Josh read that, he said, yes, we do. Man, and yes, yes, we do, for sure. And Josh went on to write this. Gracia needed me to pray when she felt hopeless and alone. I needed Gracia to remind me that even when my prayers feel dry and useless, God listens, God cares, and God answers. And so you look at this story about a missionary couple who left everything behind in the United States and went to a foreign country to serve and become missionaries. And the reward for that is they become kidnapped by terrorists. One of them dies in the process. How fair is that? I'm sure there were all kinds of questions going through Martin and Gracia's minds while they were being held by these terrorists. Wouldn't you say, yeah, that's probably true. That makes sense to me. I'm sure there were family members back home thinking, man, God, what's this all about? You know, is this how you protect your missionaries? And the list could go on and on. But friends, when we look, as we've been talking about these last few weeks, going through the book of Habakkuk, we recognize this simple thing that life is not fair. And life presents questions, very hard questions. And life gives all kinds of doubts about God's character. And why does God let stuff like this happen? Well, I do know this, that 
there are people that walk away from their faith in Jesus Christ because they were told they didn't have the freedom to ask God questions. And the cool thing about this book of Habakkuk that was written 2,600 years ago by a man around 30 years old is that God's word makes sense. It's real. We live in a real world, and it's messed up, and there's a bunch of hurting people. Because when you look at the planet Earth from outer space and you look at it from a distance, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? Man, to think that God made that Earth. And when you move in a little bit closer, and when you move in a little bit closer, we're moving farther away. If you were an astronaut, you would say, man, God, how cool. But if you were to zoom in, like here and now, seven and a half billion people on this planet, there's a lot of hurting people. There are a lot of people that are going through very turbulent times in their lives. And you zoom in, you see that, and you start seeing the big picture of why God and the privilege that we have this morning is we get, to, we get to see an example from a man who asked God all kinds of questions so long ago. But I want to tell you today, it's liberating to you and to me because it's giving each one of us permission to go to God and ask him tough questions and to bring our doubts about God and put them on the table and say, God, this is how I feel. This is what I'm going through. And so this morning, we get to do that very thing. And um, let's go to the book of Habakkuk. On the back of your mini program, there's an outline. And let's, let's go. And um, those verses are already written out for you. Or if you brought your Bible, which is always cool, bring your Bible. We can read it, going uh, five books back from the Old and New Testament, hitting reverse, coming on to Habakkuk, three chapters. Here we go, chapter 2, verse 1. Everybody ready? Yo, everybody ready? All right, all right. I will climb. Who's, who's talking? Habakkuk. I will climb, and this is coming off chapter 1 where he asked God a bunch of questions and unloaded his doubts. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Verse 2, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Pause, correct message. Let's hit that correct message. Let me tell you something. In our culture today, you are getting all kinds of messages that are deception that are half-truths, that are lies, right? And so you need to be, this is your responsibility and what you're allowing yourself to take into your mind. You need to discern, man, what's true and what's not. Because if you do not, your life will become a casualty. 
And that's not what God wants. And I am grateful, man. Just that little word right here. Stuck in Habakkuk 2. Carry the correct message. God's word is a correct message. It's all truth. And we fixed the slate here. Verse 3. The vision is for a future time. A prophet, this is what Habakkuk is. A prophet would hear from God about future events and then he would tell the people, he'd write it down. And that's why we have uh, so many prophetic books in the Bible to talk to us about the future. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. In other words, it's going to happen. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. It's bigger than you. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death they are never satisfied. And in their greed they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many peoples. So, number one in your notes, um, for a quick review, uh, Habakkuk in his tower. Quick review, what's Habakkuk's name mean? Speak into the microphone. Wrestle and embrace, that's right. That's what Habakkuk's name means. It means to wrestle and it means to embrace. What that simply means is Habakkuk modeled what his name meant. He wrestled with God, with his doubts, with his questions. But while he was wrestling with God, he embraced God through it all. And Habakkuk is just saying to you and to me, we have the freedom, we have the liberty to wrestle with God, but we also have the liberty to embrace God because God is embracing you and he's embracing me. And I think that's pretty cool. So once again, we look at Habakkuk in his tower. Verse 1, I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at the guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Real quick, on this verse, do you notice Habakkuk is talking to himself? Is he talking to himself? Come on, come on. Is he talking to himself? Yeah, he, I will. There's nobody else around. He's talking to himself. I will, I will climb up to my watchtower. And with that, I'm going to stand at my guard post. There, I will wait. And see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. First of all, friend, if you're not talking to yourself, you're in trouble. And some people think, dude, I, I always heard you're not supposed to talk to yourself. That's kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. Listen, you read through God's word. David talked to himself all the time. You read the book of Psalms. The dude was talking to himself. Because I want to tell you something, somebody's talking to you all the time. Those outside voices. And you just let your life kind of cruise and coast and put it on cruise control. Dude, you're going to find yourself out in the middle of the ocean 
helpless, far from home, far from where you needed to be and where you want to be. Because life has a way of pushing you into a place where you never wanted to go. And so for you as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith in Christ, you need to talk to yourself. I am not going to be influenced by this force or this situation or this circumstance in life. I am going to set my sail to follow after Jesus Christ. And as that hymn says, though no one follow, though none go with me, For everybody that knows that, you better sing it because I, I lost track here. I have decided to follow Jesus, though none go with me, right? Still, I will follow. There we go. No turning back. That is the kind of talk we need to be talking to ourselves about. I will. I will not turn back. I will follow, though nobody else goes with me. Come on, you can talk to me. Right here. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's it. That's it. Habakkuk was 30 years old, man, and he had trained himself to talk to himself. And he talked to himself to follow after God no matter his... In- the, the nation of Judah was collapsing morally, man. It was, it was spiritually bankrupt. And he didn't say, well, everybody's doing this. No. He set himself up to follow after God no matter what. And that's the way it should be with each one of us as well. So he climbed, he stood, and he waited. Guess what we're going to have after the gathering this morning in the, in the, in the cafe? We're going to start a waiting club. We're going to call it the Life Church Waiting Club. How many of you would like to join it? How many of you like to wait? Say, well, maybe I'll reconsider. Maybe I won't join the club. Right? Because as Americans, we are programmed. We don't deserve to wait. I think like that all the time. You know, when I'm standing in line, I'm thinking to myself, streamline this, dude. Come on. Come on. Let's get on with it. I hate to wait. Don't you? Holy smoke. You know, we have the technology. Why don't we just streamline everything and just, you know. But how many of you know in life we get to wait? And how many of you know as a follower of Jesus Christ, we get to wait? Right? And sometimes we think, because that's where I, I messed up big time as a young man. I thought I had got all figured out and I had God's timetable. And when he didn't move on my timetable... Dude, I became angry at God. Really. I had to realize that God has, he may be late in my eyes, but he's always on time. He's always on time because his timing is perfect. So so we see... um, um, Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress, and the godly run to him and are safe. Are you running to God? Do you have a tower that you can run to? Hmm? 
Habakkuk did. Habakkuk built a tower. And I can tell you, even this past week, this past week, you know, life has a way. How about, I, I, I did my wash yesterday, you know, put it in the washing machine, and that thing, man, does that thing go to town? You know, the spin cycle. The whole house shakes, you know. I was going to make a point, now I lost it. What was I thinking, Travis, you remember? No, sometimes life, it's like you jump into a washing machine and it just spins you out of control. It just spins you up and you come out dizzy, doesn't it? I mean, life just do and I had, I had to go to my tower. I had to go to my watchtower and let God just talk to me and let me experience his presence once again. Because that's where we need to go in a world that's like a washing machine. It's out of, spinning out of control. And so, there we have it. We get to run to the strong fortress. So number two, God responds. God responds. And um, so Habakkuk uh, went to the watchtower after he had unloaded on God. And let me just tell you once again, because some of you may be struggling with this, that you've, you've come in here this morning with doubts about life, about God. You've got questions about a variety of things in chapter 1, Habakkuk unloaded the questions and doubts on God, but he went to his watchtower. A lot of people unload on God and they walk away from God. Habakkuk unloaded on God, but he hung and he embraced God with the watchtower. And he waited there. He waited there. And I can tell you something. There are times that God will answer your questions. But I have questions that I've carried with me for decades, and I still have not got the answer. But I will tell you, you'll get the answer when you get to heaven. And not only that, God promises his presence to be with you and in you as you go through through this entire life. He will walk with you. Until you get your answer, and even if it means waiting to get to heaven, you'll get your answer there. Boom! So, so there we have it. And I, I look at this, man, God responds. Um, um, the Lord said to me, let's hit the pause button here. What has the Lord said to you recently in your life? Or what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Do you realize that you have to be quiet in order for, to hear the voice of God? Have you noticed that? And if, if, you, if, you, if you just don't get into that watchtower where it's quiet, you're not going to hear. God is speaking, and he wants to speak. Man, you have to know that. God speaks. The Lord said to me, And having that watchtower, we give God the opportunity to speak. 
Habakkuk waited and God spoke. That was the good news. There's a story about a father who um, had a conversation with his son and his son's girlfriend. And uh, his son, he felt like as a couple that, uh, and just knowing his son, that there was a possibility for his son to go into some type of ministry, uh, working for the kingdom of God. And so he challenged his son and his girlfriend. This was on a Wednesday. He said, I want to challenge you as a couple to go on a 40-day fast from each other because I believe it's important that you hear, you hear from God and you know what holds for your future. And dating can be a distraction and for both of you in this relationship, you both need to hear from God. That means no dating. That means no uh, social media. That means no phone calls for 40 days. Are you up for that? And the dad's son, Josh, said, yeah, man, I'm, that sounds good to me, dad. Boom. And his girlfriend was standing nearby, so what did she say? Positive peer pressure. Okay. Okay. So Saturday, just a few days later, Josh is busy working around the house, and his phone rings, and he picks it up real quick without even looking at who called, and he says, hello. And on the other end, it was his girlfriend who said, hey, hey. And, and, and Josh said, uh, hey, didn't, we we're not supposed to talk, remember? We had this conversation just a few days. What are you calling me for? And so um, uh, the girlfriend said, uh, well, what your father doesn't know won't hurt him. And Josh said goodbye and hung up. He went downstairs and um, told his dad just what had happened and... um, He said, it's all over, Dad, between her and me. And he went on to tell his dad what had happened. And Josh said, "Uh, I think if she won't respect you, she's not going to respect me. And so the dad asked, well, how are you going to break up with her? And Josh said, I just said goodbye. Pretty easy. Question, did God speak? Did God speak to this couple? He sure did. You see, God speaks in a variety of different ways, and and I can tell you, I I don't believe God speaks audibly. He does, but not very often. But when we want to hear from God, and this couple, I believe Josh wanted to hear from God, that's what his heart was. And because of that simple uh, commitment that he had made, he was able to see he was thinking his future wife nixed because of her response. What your dad doesn't know won't hurt him. That shows on the inside of somebody, man. How about it? 
so God protected Josh. And so today he's in the ministry, pastoring a church full time. Think about that. God is speaking. And what is he saying to you? So, do you want to hear from God? See, uh, I believe there's people that don't want to hear from God because he's going to mess up their agenda. I love it when God messes people up. Like Saul on the road to Damascus, man, he had a collision with God. God loves to do that kind of stuff, man. Just knock you off your horse. Boom. And transform your life. This is what I was and this is what I am by the grace of God. So, so, so there it is. When he speaks, here's the point. Write it down. When God speaks, write it down. Write it down. Uh, very simply, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what you need to do, the, the time that you do that, is put that date in your Bible. Because so many times when people put their faith in Jesus Christ, circumstances and, and uh, the enemy will come in and put doubts in your head. Well, you didn't mean it and you didn't say it right and blah, blah, blah. And then you start second guessing yourself. Well, maybe I didn't do it, you know. Uh, I don't feel like being spiritual today. We kind of walk away from it. So when you put your, na your name and the date in your Bible, you can always go back to that. When those doubts come rushing in and you can say, look at this. This is the day I put my faith in Christ. And God is not a liar. I put my trust in him. And it's done. It's a done deal. So write it down. The Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that the runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. You can bank on it. I like what the Living Bible puts it. It says, the Lord said to me, write my answer on a billboard, large and clear, so that anyone can read it at a glance and rush to tell the others. Write it down. So think about this from 2,600 years ago. Because Habakkuk did what God told him to do, you and I are reading it right today in 2018. Think about it. 2,600 years later. We, sh we should get a whiteboard out here right now and write a thank you note to Habakkuk. Right? Because he's in heaven looking down right now. He's like, whoo! They're grateful. I had a dude after the 830 gathering he came up afterwards he said man i can't believe this three chapters i'm getting so much out of this book it makes so much sense to what i'm going through i'm telling you it's it's a good thing so when god says something to you you need to record it and um God will usually speak through a gentle whisper. I mentioned this a little bit last Sunday. You know, that's how he, he speaks to me. It's a, you know, like a tap on the shoulder. It's a, it's a yeah, I believe this is from God. Um, uh, he speaks through other people who have wisdom, you know. Uh, he can use circumstances to guide you, to slow you down or redirect you. 
God can use his word. That's another big one for me. You know, God speaks to me through his word, convicting, guiding, comforting. But we have to stop and listen. We have to tune out distractions so we can hear when he's talking, right? And uh, so we see he, he wrote it down. And we need to follow Habakkuk's example. Write it down, man. Have, write down what God is speaking into your life. And the runner carries the correct message to others. We hit that again, correct message to others. This is for everybody. This is not some secret code just for Habakkuk. It's between me and God. I'm so spiritual. No. God, for God so loved the world, not just for a few, the world, that whoever, that's anybody, believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Aren't you glad for that? It's not some secret club. You know, you got to go through a bunch of hoops. Man, that's, that's a tremendous gift. And so, this vision for the future time, by the way, not only is he talking about Babylon coming in to uh, judge Judah, but he's also, in, in the original text, it, it's implicating going all the way to Revelation uh, 17 and 18 about the coming Babylon, the symbolic Babylon, at the end of the tribulation. The end of the tribulation, friend, that's coming. The tribulation is coming. And Jesus is coming back again. It's going to happen. And that's what this text, this text out of out of Habakkuk, talking about the futures going all the way into Revelation 17 and 18. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's saying that it will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Man. And the second thing is we have to dig in. Verse 3b, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. It's going to happen, whether you want it to or not. It will happen. Nobody likes to wait. But I'll tell you something. Every believer's maturity, this is, a, this is kind of a character trait, every mature believer uh, involves waiting on God, you know? It's like Habakkuk in the watchtower. I'm staying here, God, until I hear from you. I'm not going to abort the mission. I'm staying with you, God. I want to hear from you. And that's part of a mature walk as a follower of Christ. I'm, I, I will wait for you, God, and I'm not going to bail out uh, on the situation. And how many of you know waiting doesn't mean this? You know, until Jesus comes. No. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, that means you're out there carrying the light of Christ. You're being a representative of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, while you're waiting, you're pointing people to Jesus. That's what it's about. C.S. Lewis, an atheist, very intellectual, put his faith in Christ in the middle years of his life, and he wrote this, I am sure 
that God keeps no one waiting unless he sees it's good for them to wait. That's profound, isn't it? Uh, God thinks you should wait. It's good for you. I don't like that, God. You know, push back a little bit. Well, God keeps nobody waiting unless he sees it's good for them to wait. Because <laughs> God knows, man. He knows what we need. Yeah. Number three, justice will be accomplished. Verse 4a, look at the proud. Now, so, so Habakkuk is, is now the, 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 the flashlight, the, the light is being turned on to Babylon now, the, the, the nation that's about to invade Judah. God's talking about how corrupt they are. Listen to what he says. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves. They don't trust in, in me. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. Wealth is treacherous, and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave, and like death they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed up many peoples. God is saying, I'm going to destroy them this nation that's going to destroy you. They're going to come into Judah. I'm going to take some of the citizens of Judah back to Babylon. And then one of those was Daniel. And three others were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Back to Babylon. This is the timeline. But God says, after 70 years of that, I'm going to destroy Babylon. Justice, justice will take place. Because let me tell you something, God knows the difference between good and evil. And people that get hung up on God, that God is too loving to send anybody to hell, God is also a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. He sees the evil that's taking place across our planet today, and there will be a day of judgment coming. Because God is a justice, God. And so... Psalm 19.9, reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws, the judgments of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. A loving God makes a righteous God. And whether you think of this or not, friend, God has given you the freedom to make a decision, the choice. If you choose not to live for God here, why would he allow you to come to heaven to be with him forever. If you can't handle God here on earth, how could you handle God forever? So God gives you what you want. And in Luke 11, I read this the other day, and it just I thought, man, this resonates with what Habakkuk said. Luke 11, 23, Jesus writing, red letter, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. I'm kind of middle of the road, man. I know God's over there and the devil's over there, but I'm going to kind of hang in the middle because I'm not ready. Jesus says, anyone who isn't with me, you're already opposing me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You can't be a neutral and think you're good, man. Everything's good. No, no. You've got to decide. I'm all in. I'm all in with God. I'm putting all my weight on God. I'm on... I'm with him. That's, that's pretty profound. No neutral ground, man. It's, it's one or the other. J.I. Packer, a theologian, 
summed it up. Scriptures see hell as self-chosen. Hell appears as God's gesture of respect for human choice. All receive what they actually chose, either to be with God forever, worshiping him, or without God forever, worshiping themselves. See, it's one or the other. There's no middle ground here. So, there is a day of justice. And three, this is where we kind of put the nail, the spike in the ground. We choose to live by faith. Verse 4b, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Literally meaning, but the righteous person will live by my faith. I like the way Oswald Chambers puts it. He said, faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God, whose ways you may not understand at the time. I I, I think that settles it, man. Faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God, because you know the character of God, man whose ways you may not understand at the time. And faith isn't faith until it's all you're holding on to. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. See, that's faith. I have decided, that's a choice, a decision, to follow Jesus, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Hmm? That was what Habakkuk was singing from his watchtower. That's a decision, that's a choice. By not choosing, you are choosing. Mm-hmm. And so Habakkuk hangs with God. What's cool about this verse, Habakkuk 2, 4, it's in the New Testament three different times. It's taken from Habakkuk and it's transplanted into the New Testament in Romans 1 and Galatians 3 and Hebrews 10. My righteous ones will live by faith. Pretty cool, isn't it? So not only from the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that's how we live. It's not by my righteousness. It's by the righteousness of Christ. The righteous ones will live by faith. It's not my righteousness. It's not all my good stuff that I've done. It's because of what Jesus did. Check this out. Nobody's righteous, not even one, Romans 3.10. In Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. We have to believe. You look at verse 25, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And so God did not, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Aren't you glad for that? And so when you put your faith in Christ, guess what? Whoop! There's a spiritual vacuum that sucks out all that sin, your history of sin, and it's replaced with the righteousness of Christ. So when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son living in you. 
And so when he sees you, he sees you as if you'd never sinned. Isn't that amazing? That's why we have the freedom to be able to come into heaven and into God's holy presence. Because one sin is enough to keep us out of heaven. Boom. How grateful we are for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteous will live by faith. We have to choose that. So just this past summer, in the beginning of July, an Indonesian 19-year-old survived 49 days adrift without a paddle. And what he'd worked on, he, it was a floating fish trap. Um, that's, a, that's where he's rescued, but he had this little, little raft that he was on, and um, it, was, it was tied in 80 miles off the country's coast. And so his job was at night on this little raft that he had, he would light lanterns at night. And they would draw the fish in. They were attracted to the light. And so that's all he did. And he started that job when he was 16 years old. A storm came in off the coast. It, it tore his raft away from the landing. The ropes were cut. He drifted 1,500 miles out to sea. During the process, 10 ships came by. Nobody noticed him because he was just not close enough. And in the process, there's no food, man. There's nothing. He's all alone. There's no direction for his life. But he has his Bible. And his parents taught him to pray. And so in the midst of losing everything, not having anybody around him, he went to his Bible that gave him the faith to keep going. He talked to God. He listened to God that kept him going in his faith. And yes, he did catch fish to keep him alive. And yes, he drank the salt water, the seawater, but filtered it through his clothing to get most of that salt out, out of the water to keep him alive. 49 days, seven weeks. And on August 31st, he had a little radio transmitter and he sent out a message and a Panamanian ship was coming by and that's who picked him up. A transmitter that a friend gave him just in case he needed it. And he had been blasting that transmitter the transmitter for weeks. Nobody was close enough to pick up on it. What will keep you when the storms of life are raging and blow you out to the middle of the ocean? It's God's word. It's going to the watchtower. That young man took that little raft and it turned into a watchtower to wait for God. And God rescued him. And that's exactly what God wants to do in each one of our lives today. Will you let him do it? Will you trust him? Choose to live by faith. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity to make choices, decisions, 
And as a human being, we've been created after your image, Lord. You planted a soul, a soul that will live forever. There's nothing that we can do to destroy it. And you give us the freedom to decide where that soul will go. We can put our faith in you or we can reject you. I pray this morning, if there's someone in this room that's never placed their trust in you, this morning they will say, Jesus, I place my faith, my trust in you alone. Being good enough, going to church, being nice to people will not make a way for me to go to heaven. The only way for me to get to heaven is putting all my weight on you, my trust on you, that you paid for my sin debt in full. There's nothing that I could do to ever earn it or do for it. And because you paid my sin debt, you offer me the gift of forgiveness of my sins. And not only that, you write my name in the book of life. It's my reservation. It's settled that I will go to heaven when I leave this place to be with you forever. Thank you, Lord, for being my rescuer. And Lord, for each other person here, you know the storms that they may be going through. As they wrestle with you, may they continue to embrace you as you embrace them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming out this morning. And uh, if you're a guest, we'd love to see you in a cafe. If you need prayer for any reason, we'll have prayer teams up front. Uh, if you want to sing with the uh, worship team, by all means, you're going to have that opportunity.